Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This series, we're focusing on female financial independence, looking towards a stronger financial future. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on the show, and please do connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram, or head over to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk. So today we're going to be talking to Ree Pearson, who was a police officer for 27 years. During that time, she was involved in many domestic abuse incidents, and she began her role as a domestic violence officer against, <laughs> against her will by looking at offending behaviours other than what were related to domestic violence offences, and around found that 70% of abusers were already involved in other crime. Um, she was given a job at headquarters and worked as a community engagement uh, department Um, This also included multi-force projects and helped uh, develop and create a risk assessment tool, which is rolled out across the UK. So today we're going to be talking about domestic violence, the relationship that that leads to when it comes to financial control and all of the above. So uh, welcome, Ray. Welcome, Ray. Thank you for joining me today. Hello. Hello. So I feel like we're going to have a really great in-depth conversation Um, and we've already discussed like what we're going to cover today and I'm conscious that already I'm conscious of the time that we've got to to speak about this subject but I feel that it's a subject and a conversation that needs to be had and my role as a financial advisor um, we have couples that are in very loving relationships um, and we're in a situation where they're making joint and meaningful uh, discussions together Um, But back when I worked in a bank, I think more so and more when I was going to people's houses, maybe doing mortgages and such like, I came across a much wider range of demographics of people. um, And there were signs there that I didn't really recognise or appreciate. I sort of put it down as societal standards of what we deem as acceptable in relationships. And with your 27 years as a police officer and specialised in domestic abuse, I'm sure you've seen that much more than what I've ever come across. I've just seen it very lightly in, you know, what would be maybe deemed as bickering little arguments where Mm -hmm. I end up having to make a joke out of it going, well, we'll leave that subject for now. Should we come back to that later or maybe discuss it once I've gone home after my cup of tea and have to make a joke out of it? Um, You've obviously seen the harsher side of those kind of situations. So with your many years of experience, what situations have you found maybe to be the most prolific um, where it has involved that not just domestic abuse where it has been that financial control element to it I think what people don't realize is financial abuse is massive within abusive relationships it's actually finance Um, I read a report a little while ago saying that money is the biggest problem in in relationships because people argue about money more than anything else. It was a survey. I can't quote where it came from. Yeah, but people talk talk about money all the time. And I've got a a private um, Facebook group and I put a question in about financial abuse. And it was by far, it was like a cascade of um responses to the post that I put up because financial abuse goes from the tiniest things like 
um, I mean, the, the things that you know, sort of um, having your receipts checked. If you're in an abusive relationship, it's it's different. But sometimes you're in an abusive relationship, and you don't even know you're in an abusive relationship. So it's obviously about the balance of power within within a relationship. And one thing that I noticed right early on, I live in an area where it was like really nice properties, um, you know, like four bedroom, really lovely gardens, everything was done, two cars on the drive. But the daddy always drove the better car and the mummy always had the, the run know, around. The, the run around, except for in my house where I was like, well, that car is younger and obviously safer. I have two small children. It will be us who use the car and you can use the run around to go to work. But everywhere else, you see that all the time, don't you? The bigger car is driven to the office by the daddy. And I know this is massively stereotypical, mm-hmm. but it's just generally the truth, isn't it? Where he drives the bigger car and mummy has the run around. That, to me, is, a, is an indication of there's an imbalance in that relationship. And right. um, lots of women, I call it career suicide. Yeah, you, you have your children and this may or may not have been discussed, but you end up working reduced hours in your career. Hmm. Um, if you work reduced hours, if you have a private pension, like I had a private pension with my job, I paid my pension from being 22. Um, I went reduced hours in my job, which meant that was pro rata in my pension, which meant that by the time I came to finish work, my pension hadn't been topped up. So I got a pro rata pension. Yeah. And there's a massive disparity between what women get as their pension and what men get because women go reduced hours. And whether that's yeah. discussed, you know, that's a decision that you make as a couple, if you are in, in a marriage with children kind of couple, mm. um, it's a discussion that you have. But it's something that I'm, I'm not really sure that people who are not quite money savvy realise that down the line, your pension is going to be so much less. I don't think you do. I, I don't think I did. And I'm, I'm a financial advisor and I had my first choice. Emily's 13 now. And so back then I worked in financial services, but I didn't have the level of experience I did now. I'd worked in banking and I'd worked in, um, you know, I knew I had a pension, um, but I didn't really appreciate it. And I had to take a break because I'd made redundant. So I didn't really have a lot of choice. I'd made redundant when I was pregnant, the recession came and I decided to take some time out for I tried to get another part-time job, but it took a long time. It wasn't easy. And I could see how really I had to sort of fight to start my business. And I really had to work hard and to get the extra help with childcare and the support. I mean, my husband, you know, has been amazing. But the times when the going got tough and it's like, no, I said I will go to this event. I need to go. I need you to be here and support me while I go and do this thing that I said I'd go and do. Or I've got a deadline I need to meet or a client I need to sort out. I need your help. Not all partners would turn around and go, okay, I'll stop what I'm doing, which is paying the bills. Because <laughs> let's yeah. face it, when you first yeah, start a business, yeah. for example, yeah. or, you know, you've only got a part-time job that's not financially commu- uh, uh, contributing to the whole household finances, that then you're sort of, I hear it all the time so much, well, you're not paying the bills, you're not paying, or you know, you're not keeping the roof over our head. My job is more important. And it's about, you've mentioned the word balance, and it's about having those conversations in a kind, open, loving relationship. And the signs start to happen, I think, for women in such a vulnerable, when they're in such the most vulnerable position, having their first child. And sometimes you don't have a lot of choice. Like I didn't have a lot of choice. Um, 
it was just a case of, you know, doing what I needed to do to get by. But once I made a decision for myself, it was almost my biggest driving factor. And I would probably say it is still my biggest driving factor. I don't make any, um, you know, I don't keep secret that my, my husband's got a very, very good job. And actually, if I didn't want to, I would, don't actually have to work. And when I tell people that, considering how much I do, they're, yeah. they're like, well why would you work if you don't have to and that's because to me my financial independence is that important to me that I go above and beyond to ensure that so if anything was to happen in my relationship with my husband I'd be okay I don't I don't have to worry about that and that's become a very much a driving thing because I want to have my financial independence but we're taught I think as females that you know, our knight in shining armor is going to be there to look after us. And in a yeah. loving relationship, they'll always be there for us. And I think that's a great sentiment. And I completely respect people who choose to have those more, cons- you know, financially, they're able to make a financial decision where one partner can go to f- fully focus on work. It makes life a hell of a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And I completely respect those women that choose to take time out to want to have spend time with their children 100% understand that I, I adore my children my life evolves around them in every degree um and I think we have to sort of respect other people's wants and demands but where the balance come becomes unnatural if you like is when those conversations start to become a little bit manipulative don't they when yes. they start to start to well are you sure you want to do that are you sure that's what you want yeah. um and, and it starts to you know that sort of gaslighting manipulative conversations that start to twist right and as women uh, and again this is very very general because I'm financially independent um, and I will be forever financially independent because that makes me feel safer I have a very lovely husband who's very supportive but I'm still going to be who I am I'm not you know, I'm not the oars to his boat and he's not the oars to my boat. We are two mm. different boats. We just choose to roll along together. <laughs> um, so the, the balance is really the crux of it, isn't it? It's about mm. whether the... Because people sometimes work to pay the bills and some people work because they love what they do. Mm. And people have different mindset about that. Some people like the big house, the, you know, the ideal sort of that lifestyle and some other people just love doing what they do when they don't they don't mind yeah. really how much the the, the 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 stuff I call it you know the stuff <laughs> um so like some people like the big car you know and other people are quite happy to hang out on a banger and it gets them mm. from A to B and and that's a discussion that you have to have and I think a lot of people the bottom line is a lot of people talk to their partner more about the two-week holiday in the summer and plan more around that holiday <laughs> than they ever do about their commitment to each other, the issues in their relationship, their future together. There, there's more planning goes into the Jet 2 holiday than actually goes into the relationship itself, yeah. which is something that people need to look at because oh, yeah. finances you know, you might be in a fantastic relationship and you, you don't be with somebody because you think it's going to end. No. But when you listen to other people and you hear the horror stories, the reality is you have to keep your head, you have to keep your head calm mm. and do things and put things in place to make sure, sure that you and your children are going to be looked after. Mm. And, and for those women that are in a situation where, 
you know, it's, I think it's we, we can be great model role models, sorry, to young, the younger generation, and we can teach them how to sort of. My, oh my God, my daughter! I can't. I, I say this now, and I hope this to be true. I can't ever imagine her putting up with very much. Like she's just Mine so. <laughs> like as soon as like what you're not going to love and adore me and kiss my feet as I walk. <laughs> then no, you are not acceptable. Go away, you foul person. Like I can just imagine her being so so demanding in her what she expects from a partner. Um, and I, I must say, I don't think I was like that at her age, you know, at all. I, I said to the other day, um, oh, what about, you know, that boy that you like, oh, no, no, he's just, it's just her standards are just so much more. Whereas at that age, I'd be quite happy if a boy smiled at me and that'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, I was so excited. Yeah. But... <laughs> Um, I, I think you know we, we we've we've changed um, as society. Um, but are you, have you seen that with your twenty years, twenty seven years experience? Do you think these sort of more harder core domestic issues have changed much over that time? I think it's the same. Right. It's just the wow. Same. I think the way things have been dealt with, and we talk about things more. We a lot more. Everything's a lot more out in the open. There's a lot more support. Um, not all the support is always brilliant and it's always a work in progress but I think the basics are still in place and I think a lot of the things that we put up with 30 years ago a lot of women are still putting up with now why do you think they are because I think misogyny is entrenched Mm. patriarchy is the this planet is run on patriarchy and there's absolutely no getting away from that and I see the more I've looked at it because I did like crawl under a rock for a little while from when I retired and then I've sort of come out of the rock after the publish of my book um I see that women there are actually women who are misogynistic and they don't even know it right so we got we've got generations of women who are so steeped in it that they don't mm. even realize they're being anti-woman do you know what I mean yeah so a lot well, of that's for feminists though all of that stuff's for feminists though isn't it really it's well a feminist is just somebody burning bras well, a feminist is just somebody who wants equality. So if my husband wasn't a feminist, he wouldn't be my husband. Yeah. If you don't want it. And, and feminism isn't about putting barriers in place for men. It's about no. removing the barriers for women, 100%. which is what people need to do. You know, there should be no, um, obviously people make choices about their careers and we're talking about people working, but there's more to financial abuse than the money that's coming into the house. It's like, you know, if you're in a situation you you can have lots of money coming in and your children could be in um, fantastic private schools and your your um, husband is the one who's paying for that and then your relationship's abusive and you want to get out of that relationship but he says well if you if you leave me I'm going to stop paying the the school fees Mm. that happens all the time I've heard that I've heard that all of the time I've heard that loads yeah you know and everything that that is bought because that that husband is doing the work and has got a fantastic career everything belongs to him the house the cars now if you're in a relationship it should be 50 50 regardless of who brings the money in yeah if that's the agreed you're gonna you're gonna um give up your career or reduce your hours in whatever it is you do if that's an agreement then everything should still be 50 50 I totally agree and and that comes to you know not necessarily getting um the money that comes in that's his salary although it's in his name and his salary is a hundred percent not 50 it's not 50 50 it's a hundred percent both of theirs yeah so it's a case of then going okay what that's that's your bit to spend that's our bit to spend that's a bit for the house 
Um, another way of doing this, just on this subject a little bit, because I did talk about this in, in my book, in, in a, but it's, it's quite a small little area in my book, but I think it's important to highlight it, is that what you can do is you can look at the total outgoings of the household and you can include your own personal outgoings or just what you deem to be joint. Mm-hmm. And the money that comes in is yours and the money that comes in is theirs. But the amount of money that's outgoing, so you proportionate the salary as a percentage. So if, yeah. let's say, example, you're working part time, your partner's working full time um, and they earn 40, 50 percent more, then they would pay a percentage of 30, 40 percent more. And there's actually a calculation of how you, you do that. Um, so you're basically just taking the total outgoings and then divvying it up. And it yeah. means then you're paying a fair proportion. So there could never be the argument, well, I'm paying all the bills. Yeah. And I know from my own personal experience, when I took maternity leave and my, then started my business, and so my husband did take over the, like, the paying of the bills and he did give me money for a period of time as I wasn't earning and I had my mobile to pay, et cetera. And he never questioned for a moment what I did with that money. Never once to go, where's all that money gone? And he never checked my receipts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, never, I, I still rang up the bank and the mortgage company everything else was like very much a joint situation and he gave me a certain amount of money every month and he like I say he never questioned what was going on with that money but when I and when I started earning more money he never said to me once and it was a number of I don't know months I can't even remember before I started actually earning very much when I was working he'd actually never said to me can I stop sending you that money now not once he just carried on giving that money and it wasn't until I think I don't know three or four years in after starting my (laughs) business that then I went oh you can stop giving me that money now probably all right (laughs) so my my I've got I'm a my my partner's pretty amazing um in that respect um and you know but even now he's very generous so, so I'm very lucky in that respect but I do pay for a lot of our lifestyle choices as well um which I think a lot of women do so you end up working and it's sort of helps the lifestyle but what we've got to be conscious of is that we're not then overextending ourselves we still need to look at our basic financial requirements to ensure that we're still doing the basics um I mean going back to what you're talking about when you were working um in the police headquarters you were brought on as part of a multi-task force project and you talked about you know this being a massive ongoing issue it hasn't changed from 30 years ago but the resources have changed. Yeah. Talk to me about this risk assessment tool, which, which is now rolled out. And how, how does that work for women that are really are in, you know, real, we're not just talking about arguing about receipts. We're talking about real domestic violence. Yeah. When you say domestic violence, and I, so I always say domestic violence, but a lot of people think that it has to be physically violent to be domestic violence. So a lot of people say domestic abuse because it covers up like a real high spectrum. Right. Yeah. Because you don't have to be hit to be in an abusive relationship which is exactly what we're talking about today, isn't it? Like financial mm. abuse is massive. The risk assessment tool, that workshop came, we we needed to look at, because obviously business needs, to, you have to use your resources that you have effectively. So we needed to focus the majority of resources on people who were what we would call high risk victims, high yeah. risk families. So we looked at um, 50 homicide reviews, domestic homicides and unpicked them and came out with um, risk factors that were common across the 50 homicides. I mean, I know people say I'm only 50, but actually as a piece of research, 50 is quite a big number. Yeah. And 
we came out with um, certain risk factors that we would then map across incidents that were called in the police. Now, bearing in mind that when most people ring the police and they ring 999, so they're at crisis point at that moment in time, nobody rings 999 for no reason. Mm. It's normally got, it's been going on for a oh, long, long well, time. It's really quite frightening to ring 999. It's a, you know, it's a hard pounding situation. Yeah, yeah. So if you're ringing it because your partner is being abusive, that's really high stress level. But what we found with the homicide reviews, we had specific things that were more likely to be a danger. So for example, the top one was a, a threat of separation or a recent separation. So if people were splitting up, that's a really high risk time. Mm. So when people say, well, why doesn't you just leave them? Actually, it's sometimes a really bad idea to leave mm. until you've got things in place. So yeah. that's how this, the risk assessment came across. And that went across the whole country. Um, I think some, some forces call it the DASH model, domestic right. abuse, something, something I can't remember now. Um, but that was about identifying risk situations. And then for the people who came out as high risk, you would just throw loads of resources at them, multi-agency resources. Would you give me an example, like what, what that might look like for somebody? Well, now what I have, they call it special measures. I mean, the way the way victims are dealt with now is much different from what it was when I first started in the police. And um, for example, if you go in the court, you get special measures. So you can have screens put up in the court so you can't see, you can't see the perpetrator. Um, you can give evidence on video. You never even have to go into the court. Um, but you will be cross-examined because that's how our judicial system works. But there are things in place to protect people. So you go into the court on a different door. You don't have to walk past the, um, you don't have to run the gauntlet, basically, because a lot of perpetrators take their entire family and everybody they've ever said hello to the court is some kind of moral support to intimidate the victim, really. Oh my God. So you don't have to walk past those people anymore. You go in the back door, you sit in a separate room completely. So there's no, you know, things are put in place to protect people. Um, so, you, you know, you have lots of different situations where people are in the police. Another high risk is a pregnancy or a new birth. A lot of domestic violence increases wow. at those times. Now, wow. well, if you look at my book, my book is about recognising the red flag behaviours at the very, very start of a relationship. And one of the things you'll see is that somebody who's going to be abusive to you in a relationship will try and get you to have a baby really quickly oh because so it's, oh, it's, they can they could they know where you are probably a little bit more. it's just that because if you're what people have to understand is when when you get into a relationship if you then get either into a a relationship with that person and then you have a child with them you're in a relationship with that person because of the connection forever and the other thing is something that people don't realize is people try and get you in a financial commitment with them so Mm. they're borrowing money from you or they're borrowing money from somebody in your family or Mm. they want you to buy a house together or buy a car together so there's a connection it Mm. makes it easier for them to stay with their clothes in you Mm while they've got that financial connection you can't walk away from it can you it's mm. really difficult so and what, what support is there for so for women that are maybe listening who knows that are sort of listening to this and they're thinking oh there's probably red flags with my my partner 
we're not like nine 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 you know situation here and you've mentioned you know before you consider leaving it's better to have your you know your, your ducks in a row and you've talked about the threat of you know you know that if you did that they would be not very nice about it and they wouldn't be caring and they'd probably control the children I hear quite a lot manipulate the children um and a lot of women I know want to just walk out but in a divorce circumstances if you're in a married relationship actually to leave the family home is one of the worst things that you can do um so what can people do like what in all honesty in a safe way if they feel that they might get a backlash from leaving and they can't just get up and go because financially speaking any lawyer will tell you not to leave the family home um with or without the children especially if they're in a financial position where they're not financially independent themselves what should they be doing okay i would say speak to a solicitor you can get an occupation order so that person is not allowed to live there now there's i mean the spectrum i mean because there's domestic abuse that goes on and people never phone the police no because they're not at um, think I'm, I think I'm going to die kind of point. But if you want to extricate yourself from a relationship and you want to do it safely, you need to speak to a solicitor. And you need to speak to Women's Aid as well. Right. Any of the women's support services, and this is just in the UK, and I'm sure there are, I mean, there's definitely support. The support network in Australia is absolutely fantastic and it's all joined together. So you don't have to go to, to one, then another, another. They're, yeah. all, they're all together. Mm. So whichever country you're in, you need to speak to whatever is the equivalent of women's aid and also mm. get support from a solicitor because, and a solicitor in the UK will give you like half, half an hour of their time. Yeah, they free. Yeah. A yeah. lot of women, um, a lot of women, and legal aid in this country at the minute, it's practically non-existent, isn't it? So no. it's actually really difficult because you've got that, that sort of zone in the middle of women who have got, it's like there's women who've got no money and then there's women who've got lots of money and then in between there's everybody else now Mm. and I I think that's something that people don't recognize is you have to pay if you want to stay in a refuge right it's not free right it's not free so you need to speak to women's aid you need to get some kind of financial support because there there are pots of money and other charities that will help but ideally what you need if you need that abusive person out of your life you need an occupation order which means you need to see a solicitor but that will cost money, right? Yes, but go to, if you go to Women's Aid or the equivalent first, they will advise you on steps to take. Because okay. everybody, I can't sit here and give advice because everybody's circumstance is different. Yeah, no, I understand. And, and that's is where, I don't know if you you remember this years ago where, you know, your older family members would talk about having a secret bank account. Um, so if they wanted to leave, um, they they could for the, some of the reasons that you're saying. I don't think this day and age you, you can all, it's, it's necessarily as easy as that, but I certainly think if you're in a real domestic abuse situation and you're financially not independent, able to, you know, just go and stay in a hotel for two weeks kind of thing, because exactly. um, you can't afford, you know, that will cost a couple of thousands of pounds, um, then you're certainly in a situation where you do need some backup and you do need some help. Um, and I think and even if it's going to family, and, and, and re- realising that you do need the help, even that in itself can be a good Some, step. But you've also got to recognise that somebody who is um, abusive will have been manipulating everybody around you. Mm. So everybody around you might think that he's a nice guy. 
and, and a lot of women say to me, why, do, why don't they believe me? I've, I've told them this, that, and the other, but he's so charming. When we go to family events, he's like always the one who's like lovely. You know, he goes and buys the drinks and he's just absolutely charming. And you've got that whole, um, your whole life around that. Now, one of the other risk factors, going back, back to the risk stuff, is isolation. That yeah. person will isolate you. So they've isolated you by um, gaslighting the rest of your friends and your family. And also they might actually have just put it in a situation where this happens all the time, where it starts at the beginning, where you say, for example, you meet somebody, but you've always gone out with your girlfriends on a Friday night. And then you meet this person and suddenly it's like, oh, why do you need to go out with them? And why don't you stay with me? I love you. Why don't we spend more time together? Or things like, well, your, your best friend, Katie, for example, okay I don't think Katie really likes me I don't know what I've done but she doesn't really like me or on the upside it's like I think your your friend Katie was flirting with me you know when you went went Mm. for a drink and all those things that he does to make you feel isolated and so eventually women are actually isolated from friends and family anyway so that's when you need to step and go and go and see um you might not recognize it right it might happen over such a long period of time that you look back and you go how did I get here how did I get here why am I going nowhere why do I talk talk to nobody and the only person the only adult who you speak to is the person who's abusing you well that 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 must you're in a situation we don't know the difference between reality and the and what's the truth and what's not right you're probably self-doubting so much as well all of the time all of the time that must drive people. That drive me insane. Mental that health, drive me. Mental health is a massive thing in domestic abuse, but also if you recognise yourself as having a problem and you go and get some help, the perpetrator, your abuser, will use that against you as well and say, "Well, look at you. You're on antidepressants. You crackers. There's something yeah. wrong with you. You're enough yeah, case. It's all your. Is it, you know, it's always. It doesn't matter what you do. Point they sort of reinforce like use that to abuse you further you know lots of women turn to drugs and alcohol so it's like look at you you're just pissed all the time Mm. and then people see that you're drunk and that you're drinking and they go oh well she is always drunk every time we go out I see her she's drunk and that's a whole different conversation isn't it but it's about making other people because he'll use other people as a weapon against you but equally just putting the spin on that a little bit just you know Unfortunately, male suicide numbers are increasing. The pressure um, for, for males are, are there. There may be partners that be thinking, well, my partner's generally not abusive. They've been really great, you know, but they've just recently or the last year gone, you know, something happened, someone died um, and they've, they've really struggled with it and they're not going to get help. And therefore they're drinking and they're taking alcohol and, um, you know, taking drugs, sorry. And that's then affecting the relationship and it's very hard to then approach that person and say hey I think you might need some help it might be that people are in these sort of awkward you know, unsupsetting circumstances where you're as a female you're sort of struggling between helping your partner but at the same time it's not it's not working for them either and it's affecting potentially the children there are there are so many people in therapy because the people that they live with won't go into therapy and that's just the way it is and yes male suicide is on I mean the young men who kill themselves at the minute is just horrendous but that's again it's down to toxic masculinity it's Mm. about being told to man up and hide your feelings and there's a that's a a whole different conversation but patriarchy is killing men as well yeah yeah I hear you I hear you and I think I, I love this subject 
So, um, and I'd love to help as many people as, as we can. So that as a part of rounding up our conversation today, what would be your, I don't want to put a number of it, three, four, five, 10, however many top tips um, that you would give women that are, they might think they're in an abusive relationship. Is there anything that you'd suggest that they should do? Trust your gut. Mm, like that one. If you feel mm. you are, you probably are. Yeah. Get some advice. Speak to somebody who you trust. Because, I mean, my book's about not getting into that relationship in the first place, which is mm. why it's aimed at teenagers. Yeah. But if you are, and, and my Facebook group, there are so many women in there who are in toxic relationships mm. who who then when I point out a red flag say oh my god of course yes it's a red flag so not getting the relationship in the first place but if you are in it speak to somebody who you trust yeah and figure out a plan be sensible yeah. about it figure out a plan if you want to leave not everybody wants to leave I mean some in my experience people just want the abuse to stop because when the person's being nice, they're being nice. And that's mm. why it's so confusing and such a head book. Mm. Because it's like one minute they're lovely and the next minute they're just, it's like the Jekyll and Hyde thing, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And it's very complicated. But I find that unless somebody, the perpetrator, faces consequences, they're not going to change. And the no. reality is they are Mr. Hyde. They are the yeah. nasty guy. That's who they are. Because yeah. if, if they weren't, that wouldn't be there at all. Do, do you not think sometimes they could that they, they, people can change they can get help they can, they can change they can but that's they have to do it and going for, for counseling place, right going for counseling if somebody's an abuser and they say well I've, i'm going to counseling it helps this is what i see a lot i've been to counseling it didn't help it doesn't work it's nonsense they haven't engaged they might go mm. but they don't actually really engage yeah. what i find is they have to have consequences so I used to work on a perpetrator program years ago, which was amazing. And it was perpetrator, victim and children. So we had, I was working with perpetrators and obviously other service providers. And then we had workers who worked with a victim and workers who worked with the children. And those perpetrators were there because it was a case of, if you don't go on this course, you go to jail. Yeah. Or if you don't go on this course, you never see any children again. Wow. That's how bad they were. And not everybody went through that course and made changes, but some of them did. And mm. honest to God, when you saw that light bulb moment at the point through the course, usually somewhere between week six and week eight, yeah, it would be a light bulb moment for that guy. And then he would be devastated by the realisation of what he'd done. Yeah. And then it yeah. was a case of the, the, the one-to-one service provider supporting him through yeah. that process of realization so yes you can change but there has to be something that makes you change yeah you're not your partner it doesn't matter how many times they tell you i'm not going to change i'll tell you what you count down it'll take 21 days or less and they'll be back to where they were and being abusive as before yeah so they have maybe the best intentions right but the they reality is that their trigger their triggers and their own shit you know often these 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 people have been abused themselves often no, not, ne- not necessarily not no. necessarily no because if that was the case I mean the v- majority of victims are female so if perpetrate if, if victims then went on to perpetrate then they would have like it would be like a cycle wouldn't it because then yeah, women yeah. would perpetrate so it's actually not it's not if you're a victim then does not mean that you will go on to perpetrate you know if you've had a terrible childhood does not mean that you'll go on to perpetrate 
if oh, you are a no. perpetrator, it doesn't mean that you have a mental health issue because not everybody with a mental health issue is an abuser. No, sure. Do you think that they've got sort of a, maybe experiences of bad circumstances themselves in the past, though, that sort of taught them this behaviour? Sometimes, sometimes. But I didn't have a particularly happy childhood. I haven't gone on to be an abusive person. No. No. So it's all it's it's complicated but people choose people choose to abuse so for example I'll give you a story okay yeah I would be arrested somebody would be arrested for punching and and like beating up their partner right so the the usual would be oh I just lost control I lost control blah blah and and I would say okay so tell me about your evening what led up to you assaulting your partner yeah. Because quite often they would admit it and say, well, I was drunk, but it must have been me. Yeah. And then, so they would say, right, well, I went out and I had, a, you know, and they had a night out and everything was fine. And then they would um, finish the evening out and then they would say, for example, get the bus home. And then everything was fine on the bus. And then they would come and they would get off at the bus stop and then they would walk home. And then they'd probably have maybe have a cigarette because they saw their neighbour putting the bins out. <laughs> <laughs> 11 o'clock at night and they'd have a tab with their neighbour and then they'd go in the house and then they'd beat the living daylights out their wife. Wow. God. So I'd say, right, okay. And and then they'd say to me, well, I don't know, I was drunk, I must have done it, but I lost control. I'd say, right, okay, when you were in the pub, did you punch anybody? No. no. When you were on the bus, did you punch the bus driver? Did no. you punch anybody on the on the bus? No. No. So when you walked home, did you walk past anybody? Did you speak, well, there was people walking home. Did you punch anybody? No. And then, so you had a, you had a cigarette at the, at the gate with your neighbour because your neighbour's putting the bins out. Did you punch your neighbour? No. So you walked in the house and then you punched your wife. Yeah, right. Yeah, I said, you, don't, you didn't lose control. You very much kept control because the person you wanted to punch was the person behind the front door. Yeah. You kept control. And that's what it's all about. It's about them having control all of the time. Yeah. Scary. Terrifying. Especially yeah, if you're exactly. the person like, on the other side of the front door. You don't know, you don't know what you're going to get, do you? You, you, well, don't know, you don't know who's going to walk through the door. And that's the whole thing about, you know, women have said to me, I could hear him walking up the steps. I could hear, by the way, he put the keys in the door. I can hear, I know what's coming. Oh, my by God. The my way, tummy's like, oh, my God. But these poor women, I must admit, I'm... Absolutely disgusting. It's horrendous. Yeah. It's horrific. So they're sitting in the house, you know, and it'd be like, if I went, Waiting. if I was in bed, he would come and he'd put the light on and he would make, wake me up and all of those things. Yeah, man. So it's God. about control. It's about that person keeping absolute control of themselves the all of the time until they decide that they are going to beat the living daylights out of their partner. Oh, God. Oh, it's just so horrible to even think about. But even then, people. even then, though, thinking about it, Rebecca, they don't have to have to be they just have to come in you're walking on eggshells you're fighting what you do you have to make sure that um what is in the cupboard is what that person wants in the cupboard otherwise there's problems the yeah, threat yeah. of violence is there yeah. as well isn't it yeah they are so doing or whatever the control the control mm. is there keeping you awake and that's a that's a quite common one yeah S- sleep deprivation totally well that that's just that's rubbish for anybody no, we need to start wrapping up. We we we, we, we could talk, we could talk, we could talk all day. We could so just briefly just, just finish up. Just tell us about your book and how people can connect with you. Okay, um, the book is "Be Kind, No Excuses," and it's a guide to help people recognize the red flag behaviors that are a precursor to domestic violence in intimate relationships. I believe that 
you don't get into a relationship that becomes abusive. I believe that you get into a relationship with an abuser and they will test your boundaries from the moment that you meet. Mm -hmm. So that's available on Amazon. My name's Ree Pearson. That's R-I-E. So if you search for it, it's the only book I have ever written. And it is absolutely <laughs> beautiful to behold. So it's gorgeous. <laughs> the cover is gorgeous. <laughs> I love the cover. Um, so, yeah, it's on Amazon, Ree Pearson and at reepearson.com. And so this is for younger people as well, right? It's, so it's, it's written for 14. Those. So the language in it is written for 14 year olds. Amazing. So my daughter's 14 in April. So I think I'll go and buy it for her so she can then pass Fantastic. it down to her girlfriend. But do you know what it is? So parents and carers need to look at this because mm. it, you can't just suddenly start talking about intimate relationships with your 14 year old if you've never had those kind of conversations no, before. Right? Yeah. But if you have got a book, you can start talking about a book yeah exactly i've loved our chat today thank you so much and i think your thank work you. is really important please thank you doing what so you're doing. much thank you Rebecca. thank you thank you for joining us on today's episode of accelerate your wealth for further help or to connect with rebecca directly please head over to the website www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk where you can find further information on our planner book and how to further maximize your wealth for any regulated advice, please do head over to www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk.